Hi, listeners. We just flew in from the coast. You're going to love this podcast. It's Moving Right Along, a Muppet movie podcast brought to you by ToughPigs.com. This is the podcast where we watch the Muppets take Manhattan two minutes at a time and talk about it a lot. I'm your host, Ryan Rowe. I'm your other host, Anthony Strand. And this week we have a guest who's been on this podcast many, many times. Guest, who are you? Hi, this is uh, Broadway producer Leonard Weinsop. Welcome to the show, Leonard. This is not Leonard Weinsop. He's he's a fictional character. Oh. And and so am I. My name is Joe Hennis, and I am the co-owner and editor-in-chief of ToughPigs.com. It's a Muppet fan site that you've probably heard of. Thanks for coming back from last week. Uh, today, we are talking about minutes 29 and 30 of The Muppets Take Manhattan, in which uh, Kermit uh, enacts his plan, which involves going to meet a Broadway producer or agent. Or one of those things. Um, so we pick up with Kermit telling Jenny that the first part of his plan is, if you can't beat him, join him. And then he gives a little nod to emphasize what he just said. It's always uh, adorable to see Muppets do things like that. Uh, so then we see an establishing shot of a Manhattan office building. And I've been um, using this post from the uh, Bowery Boys blog occasionally to identify certain locations in this movie, but they didn't identify what this building was. So I spent way too long trying to figure out what it is. Um, I took a screenshot of the movie and tried to reverse Google image search for related images, but all it wanted to show me was images from an upcoming Tom Hiddleston movie called High Rise. Oh, that movie already that movie already came out. Oh, did it? Yeah, that's an old movie. Yeah, oh, yeah that's from like 2019 or 2018. Oh, okay, I'd never heard of it. Have you seen it? No, um, but I saw, I saw Paradise Towers, the 1980s Doctor Who story, <laughs> riffing on the same novel. Okay, well, <laughs> apparently it has a building in it that somewhat resembles this one. But um, eventually, a friend of this podcast and wife of me, Stacy Rosen, posted the same screenshot in a New York subreddit on Reddit, which is funny because Joe was just talking last week about using Reddit for research, and it worked again. Because somebody replied to tell us that this is 777 Third Avenue between East 48th and East 49th Street. It was built in 1963, wow. and it recently got a big renovation. So if you're looking for office space, maybe consider 777 Third Avenue. Uh, inside the building, Crazy. <laughs> the elevator opens <laughs> and a frog peeks out. Wait, yes. Wait, before, before you get to that, I, I do want to ask, so like before we get to this this sequence, and Kermit says to Jenny that part one of his plan is, if you can't beat him, join him, do, do we really think that's what he's doing here? Like, is that really like the best way to describe what's happening? He's not really joining anyone. Um, no, he he's, thinks it, he, he, I think he thinks Yes, he it's his best attempt that, like, based on his perception of this world of producers and agents. Right. So, but like then, I mean, I'm cutting ahead a little bit. Isn't this also uh, like a, a equally appropriate way to describe part two of his plan? Sure. Like he's, <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's just pretending is. to be someone else okay. that people think that, that he's their equal. So part one is... I don't know. I think it's a terrible way to describe the part, plan. That's all. Part one, if you can't beat him, join him. <laughs> part two, if you can't beat him, join him again. Also, like he didn't, he didn't try to beat anyone. <laughs> this is the first thing he's. He didn't like. He's just like part one of my plan. Join him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, he he did go all over the city trying to get producers 
to be interested in his yeah, show. Yeah. So now he's trying to act like a producer to get them interested in his show. I don't know. Yeah, you're right. It That's doesn't... true. That's true. I, fr- I didn't think of the, of the opening sequence and then the whole Dabney Coleman thing right. where he got yeah. beat. Right. It's a little bit. So uh, I'll allow it. Yeah, so so this is Kermit. He is dressed... Well, I was going to say dressed very differently than we normally see Kermit, but we normally see him not dressed. So uh, he has well, <laughs> he has this curly black hair, sunglasses, this shirt with a pink shirt with a huge collar, these medallions around his neck, and I don't know, is this an ascot or a dicky? He has a little white thing tied around I, his neck. I think it's. I just felt like it's just like a scarf, but it might be an ascot, I guess. Yeah, it's it's not really I don't know. long enough to be a scarf. It's just kind of tied in a knot. Hey, so Kermit wears an Kermit wears an ascot in this, right? And Fred on Scooby Doo wears an ascot, <laughs> right? And Fred on Scooby Doo was played by Frank Welker, and Frank Welker plays Baby Kermit, coin- a character introduced in this movie. Whoa, whoa! Do you think That's that all. Frank Welker watched this movie and he was like, "There's an ascot in this movie. I gotta be in the in the series." That's what made him decide that he wanted to take the job on Muppet Babies. I hope so. I hope wow. so. Wow. Um, so when when Kermit gets off the elevator in this in this scene, um, there's two other people on the elevator with him, and like the there's a, a man and a woman. We don't really see the the man's uh, reaction because the woman is is between him and the camera. But like she kind of gives him this look as she's getting off of like, hmm, that's weird. But like she just rode the elevator with him, pr- presumably for at least thirty seconds, <laughs> and it's he- like she's just noticing him for the first time. Well, he's very short. You know, like, if someone gets on the elevator with a little kid, I'm not looking down at their kid that much, you know? Kermit's, like, the height of a child. That's that's true. So I guess she could have not noticed him for yeah, that time? Just, well... She just wasn't looking. She was... I don't know. She was looking at the buttons. How about this? If, if you get on an elevator with somebody who's dressed strangely, you might think that it's rude to look at them or stare at them while you're on the, the elevator ride with them. But once you're getting off, you assume that you're never going to see them again. So you can, that's the moment when you can safely cast a glance at them without worrying about whether they're going to see you do that. Sure. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's just um, elevator etiquette. I we, guess so. Can we talk also for a second about how Kermit looks ridiculous? Like he thinks that this is, Oh, do you think so? Well, <laughs> but he thinks that this is like what a cool guy dresses like, like why does he, what makes him think that? He's, he's wearing like it looks like this even for 1984 <laughs> like that afro's not in style no. it hasn't been for many years that like the pink suit um, I, like, I, I wrote what, down like, what, is, what is he doing i don't think I these huge he looks like are a, still fashionable either i wrote down that he he looks like a mix of richard simmons and paul lind <laughs> oh yeah yeah i can I, see that i specifically like paul lind from the match game yeah like i feel like actually i feel like yeah. this is an outfit that paul lind would have worn right didn't uh, especially you with mean, the ascot. You mean, you mean Paul Lind on Hollywood Squares or Charles Nelson Reilly on the Match Game? Was Paul Lind not on the Match Game? Did I completely screw not, up that reference? Not regularly. He was the center square in Hollywood. Oh man, Squares. he was too busy. Well, I knew that, but there's a lot of game shows, and the same people showed up on a lot of them. All right, well, pretend I said one of those things that was actually accurate. <laughs> no, I, now that you because say here's that, the other thing. I, I bet see... you, I bet you, people are listening to this podcast, and I said Paul Lind on the Match Game, and they immediately pictured. Paul Lynn sitting in the match game uh, audience, not audience, uh, with the celebrities wearing exactly this outfit with the sunglasses and the in the ascot, and they didn't question it 
at all <laughs> because it feels like it fits. It feels like it fits. Fair enough. Fair but enough. Here, Therefore, I'm I'm never I'm right and I'm never wrong. Here's the thing, right. though. I I think he does look kind of like Charles Nelson Riley, so I think that fits. Yeah. So the sunglasses for sure. Yeah. Yeah, and I feel like Charles yeah. Nelson Riley wore those little ascots around his neck too sometimes. So someone, if anyone out there wants to confirm or uh, or deny that, you can uh, let us know. But um, so this the March seventh, nineteen eighty three draft of the screenplay specifies also that Kermit has chest hair, but I don't see any chest hair here. I don't think. No, he just has unbuttoned. Yeah, I think that would have looked. I mean, obviously, Kermit would have looked very weird with chest hair, but it would have looked especially weird if they also kept the gold uh, medallion things that he's wearing. Then it's just like it's just like a mess of stuff. Yeah, Kermit shirt. You're right; it would look cluttered. Um, So yeah, and like Kermit already looks like the definition of cluttered. Yes, like with the with the glasses and the afro and everything. Right. Uh, So Kermit is at the Winesop Theatrical Agency. Which uh, the sign in the in the entryway tells us has offices in New York and Beverly Hills. Um, there's this brief moment where he pauses to clear his throat and kind of prepare himself to go into character, which I really like. It's, I I think it's relatable. Like any situation where you're like a job interview or or meeting somebody that you've never met and you have to kind of take a second to compose yourself and be like, okay, I'm going to turn on this social version of myself. So I think. Kermit is doing an extreme version of that here. Uh, so he approaches the receptionist. The receptionist here is played by Frances Bergen, the widow of Edgar Bergen. Who is apparently listed among the cameos in the credits. Oh, is she? And I, yeah, and I never knew that. No, I didn't know like, that I never, even. I didn't even know, know who that was until I looked it up for this podcast. Oh, okay. Well, um, we talked about Edgar Bergen when we watched uh the muppet movie right. i know i mean i, but, I know who edgar no bergen i know you do but in case yeah. any of the listeners have forgotten sure. edgar bergen was a famous ventriloquist uh he is in the muppet movie with his uh character um charlie mccarthy he was also on the muppet show and he was uh the father of candace bergen from murphy brown and many other things so this is and from the muppet show and also on the muppet show yes um, so this is Frances Bergen. She wasn't on The Muppet Show, but she is in The Muppets Take Manhattan. Mm-hmm. She's also in Muppets Go Hollywood. Yeah, with Candace. That's right. Oh, yeah. And, like, and, and their son. They're all they're all like arriving together uh, in the red carpet. Right, right. That's all they do, right? Which they're is, just in the celebrities arriving yeah. montage. Right, but yeah. that's, that's yeah. nice that they all went. I mean, you know, that, that movie is dedicated to Edgar Bergen. Yeah, The Muppet Movie. Yeah. It's true. And that's kind of why I assume not only... Did she get this cameo? But but like you said, that she's in the in the like listed in the credits as as a celebrity cameo, like basically not just because you know Edgar Bergen was in the Muppet movie, but because like the Muppet performers had such a um uh they had such an uh, affection for uh for Edgar Bergen and his work that it's like it kind of extended to the rest of his family. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, a nice nod right, to them. Right. Uh, Kermit says to Francis Bergen, Hiya, sweetheart. I just flew in from the coast. Hey, I love your hair. Don't ever touch it. And then he says he has an appointment with what's-his-name, the top theater agent. Uh, she says, Leonard Weinsop? And Kermit says, Yeah, Lenny, Lenny. What office is he in again, doll? She tells him he's in suite 1024, but she should call she's, first. She's so bad at her job. Like, 
She should not have told him either of those. She things. falls right into his his trap. Yeah, mm-hmm. she should have called security on that. Guy. She should have because then when he but like he just runs right past her and she doesn't stop him. But like here's here's the thing that bugs me about this this scene. So like Kermit, we've we've established that he has done some sort of research. Like we we said before, he he did he like. We said last week he, he did like some probably reading. went to the library or whatever. But like he did some sort of research to at least figure out where to go. The name of the agency is the Winesop Theatrical Agency. <laughs> so neither in his research or by looking at the t- name of the company did he deduce that the person he wants to speak to is Mr. Winesop. Right. Lenny. Right. right. Instead, he had to trick poor Francis Bergen into <laughs> saying saying his name out loud. If he had just asked, yeah, for um, for Mr. Winesop, yeah. Yeah, that would have worked. Yeah, right. It's also yeah. interesting that this is such a faster way of getting past a receptionist than what the Muppets had to do in the Muppet movie. Yeah, well, that's the second time. I mean, that's all, that's, they go into Martin Price's office right away, like they're called in right away. Yeah, that's true. So, you know. Yeah, so they, um, yeah, I guess this yeah, movie Kermit doesn't want didn't to even prolong things. Yeah, he didn't even have to like uh you know like cover Francis Bergen with with animal dander to, exactly. <laughs> to get into to Leonard Weinsop's office. He did not have to act- activate her allergies. Uh and also like that's actually something I hadn't thought about before, but um maybe you guys talked about this back with the the Dabney Coleman scene, but it's it like if we're somehow attaching this to the continuity of the Muppet movie, which I think is impossible. Um, then we have like Kermit has the experience of just walking past secretaries and finding immediate success. So he's like, if I just can just get past the secretary and into this guy's office, then it's a done deal. Right. That's how it works. Yeah. That's how yeah, I got the rich and famous true. contract. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's true. He got the rich and famous contract, went to college with it. It's like the GI bill. He went to college with it. <laughs> Yeah, but then that gets into all kinds of questions about like the continuity of the Muppets. Like, does this version of Kermit, who just graduated from college, actually remember the experiences of the Kermit who went across the country to Hollywood? I think that I did. You guys read All Star Superman? Well, I what do you? I'm think? literally rereading it as we speak. I mean, I mean not during know, this podcast, but like I know you both read All Star Superman, but um, yes, you know how that is like all Supermen are real. Oh yeah, that's what this yes. that's what Kermit is like. Every Kermit remembers the experiences of all Kermit. I like that take. You know, it it all counts. Yeah, I think you should write an article about that for toughpicks.com. About how I kind of uh, love that. Yeah, maybe I will. Maybe I, so. Look for that in 2021, gang. You can call it All Star Kermit. <laughs> Ooh, so I'll call it. So um, the receptionist picks up the phone to buzz Mr. Weinsop, and we cut to Mr. Weinsop's office, where we see him on the phone saying. A frog with an afro? Oh, man. John Landis' delivery of that line, that deadpan delivery, is so perfect. Yes. Um, and yes, Leonard Weinsop is played by John Landis. He's not really known for being an actor because he is a director. His movies include Animal House, The Blues Brothers, and Blues Brothers 2000, Coming to America, Trading Places, <laughs> uh, The Three Amigos, An the, American Werewolf the in London. Stupids. What was that? The Stupids. Of course, The Stupids, which I've never seen. But I, I saw The Stupids in the theater. Oh, no. That's amazing. Oh, no. <laughs> Who's the stupid now? <laughs> um, uh, well, and I'm sure you were going to say this, Ryan, but Frank Oz is in a bunch of his movies. Yes, exactly. He, I guess he and Frank Oz are, are buddies. 
Um, Frank Oz has cameos in the Blues Brothers, Blues Brothers 2000, An American Werewolf in London, and Trading Places. So, several of John Landis's movies. And yeah, and and Blues Brothers, American Werewolf in London, and Trading Places were all before this. Like he had That's been true. in three of Landis's movies already. Right. So he's kind of returning the favor here by giving his friend a role in his movie. Right. For sure. And well, and maybe maybe we shouldn't mention. I don't know, but. Richard Hunt is in Trading Places also. Yes, that's true. He has, yeah. A, a, he has, like, a, a pretty decent little part. like Yeah. A, a, yeah. a small supporting role. Yeah, but and didn't John Landis lines. also... Didn't John Landis also direct Into the Night? Yeah, featuring starring Jim Henson. Right, that has a cameo by Jim Henson, so... Was that in your notes? I, did I jump the gun? No, I actually forgot to write that down, so thank well, you. Ooh, we, we what got one! We talked about that um, at, during the opening credits because... Um, a, a lot of the people who worked on this movie had worked with John Landis before. Right. Ah. Like the, I think it's the same cinematographer. Including Jim Henson. Movies. Jim Henson, yes. <laughs> I, I, I like the idea that Jim Henson's name comes on the screen. You're like, ah, yes, the guy from Into the Night. <laughs> yes, that's what he's best known for. Uh, we should also, I think we talked about this when we did the Muppet movie, but John Landis participated in that huge group scene of all the Muppets at the end of the the... Rainbow Connection reprise, he was performing Grover in that shot. Oh, yeah. Yes. Oh, so, <laughs> Joe, you had something else about John Landis? Oh, so he had a, he has a couple more Muppet connections. Um, so he directed the Disneyland 35th anniversary celebration special, oh. which uh, has Muppets in it. So technically, he has directed the Muppets. I missed that somehow. Um, Is that the one where Piggy dreams about being Cinderella? I don't. I think so. Yeah. Actually, I didn't look up to see which one that is, but that seemed. I know that is a Disneyland anniversary special. Right. I could. I probably could look it up, but I'm lazy. Um, so let's assume so. Okay. So that means he also directed Tony Danza because he's in that special. Yes, and C3PO and R2D2. That's right. Um, he is also in uh, the "She Drives Me Crazy" music video, uh, which the, with the Muppets. Um, which was from Kermit on Pigs, right? From like the mid Yeah, it, which is a really weird video because the song on the album is just Kermit and Piggy singing. But for this music video, it's all these shots of celebrities singing parts of the song. And some of them appear to be shot like on a home VHS camera in their kitchens and stuff. It's, it's yeah, very strange. And, yeah. And some of them are the cast of Mad About You. Yes. Which <laughs> I did not ever need to see in a Muppet production. No, Anthony <laughs> noted... Uh, Paul Reiser hater. Look, I don't. Is that is that Paul Reiser's only credit on on the Muppet Wiki? Let's see. Probably. Um, (laughs) uh, Yeah, that's it. Oh, and you don't like you you despise Helen Hunt, also, don't you? I dislike Helen Hunt less (laughs) than I dislike Paul Reiser. Okay. I I I don't think she's funny. Like it's like she's she can be fine in like dramatic roles in in other movies and stuff, but like as a comedic actress. I don't know, man. She seems bored. She seems, <laughs> here's here's the thing about Mad About You. It's a show about two people who hate each other and life. And we're supposed to think it's like a fun sitcom about romance. And that's marriage. Yeah, it's not. Wow. Though. Like, no. That's what I mean. No. I, I like my wife. You know, <laughs> Anthony, Anthony you're, you're so mad about Mad About You. <laughs> <laughs> that's my podcast where I watch every episode of Mad About You and complain. Oh, boy. It's just me. It's solo. It's <laughs> <laughs> it's going on on like like 500 episodes of that now. I'm surprised you still have stuff to complain about, but there you are every week. Um, so anyway, uh, John Landis also appeared in 
a 2007 pilot presentation for a new Muppet series that was uh, produced by Bill Prady that was mockumentary style. And that's which the one all where those... Fozzie was a, that's the one where they say Fozzie was a staff writer on Moesha. Yes, correct. Such a good joke. <laughs> I love that. Um, there's a, you, you likely have never seen this pilot presentation because apparently Bill Prady was told to destroy every copy that he had of it. Whoa. I don't know if he's actually destroyed every copy he has, but if Bill Prady is listening to this, I'd very much like to see it. Yeah. He must um, have I'm a sure copy it's awful, of that, right? But, yeah. Right. Yeah, um, Bill, Bill Brady, you can only- email us at movingrightalong at toughpigs.com. Let us know, you know, where we can get our hands on that. Great. Uh, and then uh, the only other note I have about John Landis is that he looks like my dad. Oh, he does. He looks a lot like my dad. Huh. Not like my dad, not like my dad is much older now, but like my dad in like but the so 80s is, and 90s. So John Landis, though. Like, you're saying they, didn't like, they don't but- look alike as much? Right. They didn't grow old in the same way, but definitely like my dad in the 80s and 90s looks just like this version of John Landis. Yeah, like it's it's scary. Um I huh. also I say the same thing about um uh what's his name the the film critic. Uh Oh no, my brain I, uh, uh fell out of my ear. Leonard Malton? Yeah, Leonard uh, Malton. Sure. Leonard Not Malton also looks like my dad. Leonard Malton and my dad also kind of they they did get older in the same way. Hmm. Yeah. Um my, which is weird. My di- my dad looks like Tim Matheson. <laughs> Ryan, who does your dad look like? Um, he sometimes looks like... Oh, is it Arlo Guthrie? Probably. Does Arlo Guthrie currently have a mustache? I haven't seen him since The Muppet Show. <laughs> yeah, I'll have to look that up. <laughs> your, your dad also kind of looks a little bit like... Um, what's his name from Gilmore Girls? Edward, Edward Herman. Herman. Yeah. My yeah. dad. Your dad, your dad makes very special appearances, <laughs> just a little bit. Wow, I, I never thought about that. He also uh, looks like my elementary school principal, Mister Pivato. Because wow. when, <laughs> when, I, was, I was thinking that, but I didn't want to say it. I thought it was too obvious. Because when my dad would come to my school, kids would would come up to him and go, "Mister Pivato," and then they'd have to go, "Oh, wait, no, you're not Mister Pivato." Yeah, and then he'd be like, "He'd be like, no, no, it's Mister." Piva Row. Piva Row. Yeah. Um, guys, I I want to let you know this is my favorite podcast. I love this. I love this <laughs> show so much. I'm glad somebody does. <laughs> well, oh, thank you though, Joe, for those other uh, connections, which I had. I, I did obviously didn't look up John Landis on Muppet Wiki. So thanks for. Um, I knew I I knew all that off the top of my head. I didn't have to look it up at all. No, I had to look it up on Muppet Wiki. That's a lie. Yeah, it's a big big lie. Muppet Wiki is but great. You could have just asked your dad all the times that he worked with the Muppets. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, Kermit comes in. He's ready to make this deal happen. He has the script with him. Uh, he says, "Hi, Eleni, sweetheart. I just flew in from the coast, which is the second time he said that. I love your office. Don't change a thing. Say, listen, Lenny, my." My private plane's double parked outside, so I gotta run, but I got this Bafo Sacco script for a Broadway plot called Manhattan Melodies. Um, now, I looked up these words. Merriam Webster's definition of Bafo is extremely successful. <laughs> Their definition of Sacco is strikingly impressive, effective, or successful. So, Manhattan Melodies is gonna be the most successful show because it's Bafo and Sacco. 
Well, it's going to be successful and successful. Exactly. Yeah. Wow. Uh, so Kermit keeps going, and then there's a cut to the, the these two men who are in a meeting with Winesop, and they kind of glance at each other. And when it cuts back, Kermit is now sitting on Winesop's desk, which I love. He's kind of uh, wiggling his feet back and forth, leaning yeah, on the desk. I, I love the way Kermit just kind of like throws his legs up on the desk. Yeah. Like he just kind of like hops up there. Yeah. It's, it's, it's great. really cute. Uh, he says about the, the show, it's totally today yet tremendously timeless. And I'm giving you first look-see because we're like family. Have I ever lied to you? Then he hears his beeper and he has to leave. Um, I do like thinking about this character's private plane just being like sitting out in the middle of the street in Manhattan <laughs> right, somewhere, yeah. tying up traffic. Really funny. Uh, <laughs> then on the way out, he says, remember, Bafo Lenny, Sako Lenny. And it's funny, I don't know when I first realized that Kermit never, like this character doesn't have a name. He never tells Lenny who he is. He's yeah. just this. But, no, cause they don't, he doesn't have to because they're like family. Right. Right, he's well, just yeah, hoping but, that but Winesop will he, assume that he knows him. But when he's in Sardis, he's called Kermit the Frog. Like, mm. I think he's he, he wants to get his show on Broadway. He's not going to change his name, right? I guess not. But if Winesop had gone for it, was he going to stay in this costume and this persona the whole time <laughs> he was getting the show done, the show produced? But not not in the show. He can play the character, right? You know, take off. <laughs> I, I kind of like that idea that. Like like a whole story where Kermit's like, oh no, he would just have <laughs> now to I have to wear the, the afro every day. Yeah, that would <laughs> yeah. be funny. And like like and he's so exhausted. Like I mean like it takes a lot out of him as we'll see in a second. Yes. But like like to keep that up for for days or weeks that'd be hysterical. Yeah, that yeah, that would have been funny. Yeah, it would be just like in Mrs. Doubtfire where he's running back and forth between the two. It would be exactly like Mrs. Doubtfire. <laughs> Mrs. I should say Mrs. Doubtfire or Superman 4, because that exact same thing happens in <laughs> Superman 4. It would be 4. exactly like Superman 4. <laughs> uh, so good. <laughs> um, yeah, so then we do see, after he leaves the room, Kermit is on the other side of the door, just, he's panting, he's exhausted. Um, the March 7th, 1983 draft of the screenplay mentions that he is dripping with perspiration, I guess they decided not to cut, like, not to do a puppet effect where Kermit is actually sweating, because that would probably look too weird. It would be so gross. Well, and, like, the the heavy breathing is, like, creeping up to the line of being too much, I feel like. Yeah, but it took a lot out of him. Yeah, no, I mean, I get it. It's it's a nice moment, but it's also, like, he's really going for it with that heavy yeah. breathing. Yeah. So, uh, as soon as he's gone, though, Winesop throws the script away. Um, now, here's something that I realize is not very interesting, but I'm going to tell you anyway. On the read-along book and record set of this movie that I had as a kid, Scooter, doing the narration, says that uh, Winesop threw the script in the wastebasket. And that was the first place I ever heard the word wastebasket, because I've always called them trash cans. Ryan, you are correct. That was not very interesting. Thank you <laughs> very much. Um, I, I will say to add on to your not interesting story with my oh, not interesting story of my own. I the angle that the wastebasket is filmed at makes it look really thin, and I always thought that was interesting. That like oh, he's such an important and fi- and like rich man that he has these like cool thin wastebaskets. <laughs> well, it kind of looks like, <laughs> like it's that are deliberately like sh- the, the the dimensions where it's easy to throw a script into it. So he's probably throwing. Yeah, a lot of exactly. Scripts. Yeah, but I don't think it is. I think it's just. I think it's just filmed at an angle. Oh, okay, maybe. So it looks thin. That could yeah. be. Um, I also I wanted to just backtrack for like a quick second to talk about these two guys who are in uh, Leonard Weinsop's office. Yeah. Um, 
I, I looked them up. I, I read a little bit about them. Oh. I, I, there's not a whole lot of interesting. I mean, they're just you know character actors. Who, Are they listed in the credits? Um, well, they're both listed on the Muppet Wiki. I assume okay. that means they're on. They're in the credits, and then they're also on IMDb. Um, so one of them, his name is Ron Foster, and what I found, I won't go through their credits or anything, but what I found interesting was that he was in two episodes of Bat Masterson in 1960 and 1961. Yeah, we just talked about because we were Bat talking Masterson about Bat Masterson. That's right, exactly. Full circle. Um, the other guy, his name is Michael Hirsch, and he has the same birthday as me. Whoa! That's it. Wow. <laughs> so in the scene is my dad and my birthday twin. <laughs> wait, is he the, wait, is he the same age as you? Was was he born? No, he's not the same age. He's not three years old in this. <laughs> Leonard Weinsop is not having a meeting with a baby. That would be that would be adorable, though. This scene would be so confusing if he were. <laughs> what if he was? It would be so. <laughs> It would be so distracting. Completely and un- like not explain it at all. If he just Kermit... happens to be meeting the baby. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. Yeah, that would be great. Oh, I love this movie. And I love this podcast. I'm having a great time here. I don't guys. know, the imaginary movie oh, in our head is starting to sound even better. <laughs> um We should make it we should make it, I think. We should. We should do one of those like fan what do you call it? The sweeting? Is that what Video? they call it? No, I mean... Like, oh, yeah. Just, yeah, we're going to make our own sweeted version of this movie. Yeah, we're going to add all like, these like a low budget, to it. Yeah. A low-budget remake? Yeah. No, with I mean, with a baby. Just, yeah, we should just go out and film it. We can get your dad to play Leonard Weinsop. <laughs> Great. Great. And we can get you to play a baby. <laughs> <laughs> we might have to be a baby now. we got to get a real baby, but it has to have my birthday. <laughs> right. That's you the know, trick. I, you know, I have a two-and-a-half-year-old son. He doesn't have the same birthday as you. But all right, probably, well we'll make we'll make it work. It. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Miles is available. I think if we can get his agent on board. All right, I'll talk to his agent. <laughs> so, um, I wanted to mention while we're in this scene, uh, Kermit's afro hair. Uh, in 2015, the Chia Pet Company made a Kermit the Frog Chia Pet, and the way it looks on the box, at least the Chia hair makes him look kind of like this this character. Um, I got the Chia Pet for Christmas. Actually, I think, Joe, you may have helped me put the Chia seeds on it. I did. It was a, it was a fun day. It was of, a, of such a fun putting day. Putting seeds on a frog. Like slimy seeds on a, on a terracotta frog. Um, but unfortunately, when the seeds actually grew out into whatever the Chia plant is, it did not look anything like uh, the Bafo Sako Kermit, so... That was disappointing. You should just buy a tiny afro wig and oh. put it on your, on your <laughs> Chia Pet Kermit. You know, I still have the Chia Pet Kermit. It's just sitting in a cabinet in my apartment. So I could just, yeah, I could do that. Yeah. No, 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 you, you could and you should. Okay, I, sh- I and, could and I should. You know, bouncing off of that idea, I own, I, I, I don't have it next to me, so I can't check to see like what, what company it's from. But I own like this Kermit the Frog uh, like it's like a, like a, like a fashion doll kind of thing oh, yeah. that has a green afro. Yeah, like he's like, it's definitely like a disco. Oh, Kermit. yeah, the, it's like a um, disco Kermit doll. Yeah, it's a very strange. Thing. Yeah, story. yeah, it's yeah. super strange. But like, hey, like Kermit with an afro again. It's happened at least twice. Yeah, yes, three times if you count the Chia Pet. Right. That is um the the case for that thing says Brass Key Collectibles. Oh, hey. Maybe good, good sleuthing. Yeah, I can put pictures of these things on the the show notes. 
Um, would you say that the that Afro hair Kermit toy is weirder or less weird than the Kermit driving a carrot toy that you also own? Oh, God, I love my <laughs> Kermit they driving tied. a carrot. See, here's the thing. Kermit driving a carrot, the plush toy I have of a carrot with Kermit in it as if he's driving it like a car, right. which I have many questions about this <laughs> that I'm going to explore in a future Tough Face article. Good, good. But like, that, uh, it raises so many questions that Kermit with an Afro does not. Like, Kermit with an Afro is like, oh, Kermit's wearing an Afro. He's probably either wearing a costume or he's lying to someone, like like in this scene. Sure. But, um, but like, Kermit driving a carrot, it's like, oof, boy, where to start? <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right. I, I think that's, yeah, I, probably, I agree. Um, so, all right. Any other things about the Bafo Sacco Lenny Weinsop scene before we move on? Joe, I will start with you. Um, I timed how long Kermit is in Leonard Weinsop's office because it's he like runs in and he has this whole thing and then he runs out mm-hmm. and it's li- it's literally exactly thirty seconds, oh, wow. which I, wow. I love. I love that it's so it's so fast. Um, and then the other thing that I I wanted to note was we've so like uh, a few years ago there was a lot of talk about um, uh, Kermit and how he um. I'm not really sure how to put this into words. Like basically, like how how Kermit has become, or we're trying to avoid Kermit becoming too milk toast. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that's come about was was some people saying that like Kermit doesn't lie. And I always point to this scene, and then the other one with um, you know the Sardis scene coming up later, that Kermit does lie. Kermit is actually quite good at lying, mm-hmm. and especially when it involves like a, a wacky costume. Um, and I love that. I love that Kermit has that depth that he can, like, if it's important enough, then, like, he's totally gonna, you know, try to, you know, pull the fleece over someone's eyes, you know, especially if it's like he's doing it to help the show or his friends or whatever it is. Yeah. Um, You're right. Yeah, he lies when when it works for the story. And in this case, it's very funny. Right, um, yes. Yeah. On, yeah. Th- yeah, the, the debates were about episodes of The Muppets sitcom where maybe sometimes it was funnier than other times but yeah i I think yeah it it was that and it also came up um when we had read the the, one of the earlier drafts of the scripts for the 2011 muppet movie oh yeah where which originally had a twist where kermit was going to be revealed to be behind tex richmond like basically tex richmond uh, would have been a, a costume that Kermit was wearing. Crazy surprises at the end of the movie. It was Kermit the whole time, and a lot of people don't like that. And we've talked about this before. Well, I'm I'm one of the few. I mean, that's from that's from Looney Tunes back in action. It very much is, yeah. And you I mean, know? it's happened. I think in a bunch of things, but like it made sense to me that that Kermit would realize like all my friends are are separate. They're separated, and like how am I going to get everyone back together? Hmm. It's like. Like, well, yeah, in the movie, we got, like, we got a road trip, and we asked them all individually, but uh, in this case, it would have been that, plus the extra layer of, like, Kermit had had created a conflict that they all needed to come together to solve, which I appreciate. It makes him really active. Yeah. Um, despite the fact that, like, he does have to lie a little bit, and that's okay. We all we all tell little white lies, right? Right. We all, we all do for, that for, once For a, a good reason. For a good reason. Yeah. And this is a good reason. Both of those things... Are for a good reason, um, you know this movie and, and the 2011 movie, which didn't actually happen, so it's kind of moot. But like, you know, nobody nobody questions whether Kermit shouldn't have pretended to be someone he's not. That's true. In the scene, that's true. You right? know, yeah, yeah. yeah he true. didn't actually have an appointment with Lenny. 
He lied. He didn't to even that know the guy's name. Yeah. So yeah. yeah. Also, that I was, like that was neither that was neither Bafo nor Sako of him. Boy, that was so unbafo. <laughs> Um, also, I like that you said he pulls the fleece over people's eyes because Kermit is made of Antron fleece. Whoa! I said I planned it's like, that. It's like he's I pulling, it would be like you or I pulling human skin over someone's <laughs> eyes. Like, it would just be eyelids, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for that. Uh, you said it. You. I did. It. I did start it. it. It's my all mind. my fault. Uh, so, oh, Anthony, did you have anything else about Bafosako, Kermit guy? No, right. <laughs> I, I like that. That's his canonical name, Buffalo Stocko Kermit oh, guy. Yes, I do. I do have one tiny little thing that I thought of that I didn't. I didn't write down because I just thought of it. Is it's a shame that we never got a, a Buffalo Stocko Kermit action figure. Oh yeah, yeah. How dope oh, would that have been? Yeah, that would have been great. That would be fun. Yeah. It, it, it could still happen. Right? They never, they, they never did the Sardis one either, right? That's no, no, they didn't. There, there was, I remember there was like a question of rights issues with those Palisades figures right. because this movie is is owned by Sony. But they they did get permission to do some up at Stick Manhattan branding for the the Usher scooter, like where he's oh, selling yeah. popcorn. Yeah, yeah. And I think Rizzo may have been up at Stick Manhattan, but he also may have been Muppets Tonight. I don't remember. Well, yeah, what I remember is that originally the line was just the Muppet Show, so they could only use characters and concepts from the Muppet Show. But then they started expanding it later. So, Let's yeah, do frogs expand. That's nah, just a myth. <laughs> uh, uh, what was I going to say? Oh, um, you were going to say myth, myth. Yeah, you got to say it. <laughs> myth, and then I forgot what I was going to say again. Uh, oh. We were we were talking about uh, Antron fleece. Yes. yes. <laughs> No, they should still make uh, those toys for the movie's 40th anniversary in a few years. Oh, that would be great. Yeah. So, someone get Diamond Select on the phone, because yeah. everyone's making Muppet toys these days. Yeah, it would be the perfect time. Uh, so next we cut to a shot of the Plaza Hotel at uh, Grand Army Plaza in Manhattan. Um, I'm sure a lot of people are familiar with this luxury hotel. It also has apartments in it now. Um the Eloise books are about a little girl who lives in the plaza. It was also prominently featured in Home Alone 2, Lost in New York, where Kevin McAllister stays there. Um, and it's also in the movie Barefoot in the Park, which I just watched for the first time. Oh, isn't it good? That's a good movie. It is, yes. It's very charming. Uh, so I'm sure there are other uh, you know, uses of the, the plaza hotel in media, but I didn't come across any. I wrote down that um, there are scenes – I have never read it, so I can't speak to any certainty, but there are scenes in The Great Gatsby that take place at the Plaza Hotel, mm. supposedly, I according not, to some yeah. article I read. I have not read that since high school. Um, I, mean, I also – in high school. But. I wrote down that um, this is – feel free to cut this for, for obvious reasons, but um, I wrote down that the Plaza Hotel was bought by Donald Trump in 1988, and then it was bankrupt by 1992. That, that <laughs> tracks? That yep. sounds about right. Um, and it is now owned by several Arab holding companies. Uh, several companies. So, well, I think it's at least two. I wasn't, okay. I wasn't sure. I, I didn't quite understand the ownership that's yeah. on me. Um, but you could read it, all about it on the Wikipedia page Perfect. for the Plaza Hotel. Everybody, look it up on Wikipedia. Uh, also, the fountain that we see across from the hotel is the Pulitzer Fountain, or possibly Pulitzer. I'm never sure how that name is pronounced. Um, this is, of course, named after the newspaper publisher Joseph Pulitzer, and I found out in looking stuff up for this that uh, it's named after him because he left the money to build this fountain uh, in his will, essentially. He 
he said, when I die, I want this much money to go to building a nice fountain in I, Grand Island I actually Plaza. wrote down, I wrote down what it said in his will. I wrote down, he wanted to be like the, uh, those in the Place de la Concorde in Paris, France. Like he, was, he had a very specific idea of what kind of fountain. Sounds so fancy. Yeah, right? Yeah. So uh, we briefly see Kermit walking past a bench, which is where we will pick up next week. So, uh, any final thoughts about these minutes, Joe? I'll start with you. Um, the only other thing I had was was about that that very last shot of Kermit walking. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm sure you'll talk more about this next week, but it's definitely not Jim Henson's hand in there because Kermit's Ooh. face looks very flat, and I hate I hate that look because it looks like a fake Kermit. It looks like like they got Kermit's stunt double to do it, and they're like, "Eh, we'll get Kermit to film it later." Like the real oh. Kermit, and then you know we'll we'll mad him in or something, and then they just never bothered. Did you consider that Kermit's face looks flat because he's just been wearing an afro and glasses all day? And <laughs> I mean, took him off. I think it looks, I think it looks flat because of who we're about to see him walk past in the next two minutes. But I, I'll I'll oh, leave yeah. it at that. No, yeah, that's a good theory. Yeah, yeah. All right, uh, Anthony. Any final thoughts? No, I was actually just gonna say how sweet I think Kermit looks. In that pink outfit without the afro and glasses on, like, oh, you think the you just it's yeah, just the, so casual. Like yeah, once he once he removes the the glasses and afro, he's just like he's coming home from work. You know? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> but... <laughs> he should wear that stuff more often. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right. So, Joe, as you know, we like to ask our guests, "What is your history with this movie? Do you remember the first time you saw it? How do you rank it alongside the other Muppet movies, etc.?" Um, you know, I've never seen this movie before. It's my first time. Oh, wow. Uh, isn't that amazing? No. So, <clears throat> um, when I, I, obviously I can't remember what the first, when the first time I saw this movie was, cause I've been watching Muppet movies since, you know, before, since I was, was as old as Michael Hirsch, the three-year-old in this, in, in, uh, Leonard Weinstop's office. Um, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> so we must've taped it off of TV at some point when I was really young and um, I remember we had a VHS tape where remember, okay. Remember like VHS tapes used to come with like a little sticker sheet with like letters and numbers on it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I remember spelling out something. I don't think it was Muppets Sigma Manhattan. I think it just spelled out Muppets. And I remember writing with Kermit. And Kermit Sometimes you would have to be judicious yeah. because you would only have a few, like you might only yeah. have, I don't know, a few, Letter A's, so you would have to think like Muppets take Manhattan, like, and then you would end up with yeah. not A's, and it would be Muppets take Manhattan or something like that. Yeah, I don't think I spelled the whole thing. I think it was just Muppets. It's irrelevant, right? But the point is, is that that was the only Muppet movie we owned for a long time because this is before those green clamshells of Great Muppet Caper and the Muppet movie came out. So wait, this was the one wait, that we watched. Are you saying what? that if I buy those green clamshells, uh, could I get a like a free prize of some kind? Or wait did did you say get a free watch? That's right, guys. <laughs> when you buy the Muppet movie and the Great Muppet Caper for a limited time, you can get a free watch. Did you say get a free watch? I just said yes, get you a said free get watch. A free watch. Yeah, we did it. Buy- we brought it back. Oh. You know, I was afraid when we finished The Great Muppet Caper that we would never have another opportunity for that. So. Did, I, did, I, I, did I ever say on this show that my son Miles was obsessed with that song for a while? Great. And, Us too. And would, and would often say, like, like I'm not a fee watch, because like, he wanted to, watch, <laughs> wanted to watch the video of a free watch, his favorite song. 
Oh, that's wow. so good. He would hear the Muppet Show theme song and just be like, that that song, a free watch. <laughs> the Muppet Show theme song, also known as a free watch. Yeah, that's yeah. that's a free watch. Yeah, yeah. Um, so anyway, so Muppet Sig Manhattan was the only real of the of the original trilogy of Muppet movies that that we owned that I could watch over and over again until those mo- the the um, clamshells came out. And um, I think you know, obviously, the part of it is the fact that I watched it so much as a kid really like ranks it high, super high for me. Um, I go back and forth between it being. Um, my number one and my number two, uh, toggling with the Muppet movie. Uh, Muppet movie is probably, I think it's it's a it's a better movie. It's it's got to be my number one. But Muppet Sig Manhattan is a very close second. But I also recognize that Muppet Sig Manhattan is a flawed movie. It's not perfect, and it's definitely not the ideal type of Muppet movie. Um, you know, I think it's odd that it's so grounded, uh, but at the same time. I love it for how grounded it is. And maybe I only say that because it's, well, I guess I have the Muppets 15 sitcom in my head, which is grounded in a different way. But before that thing came out, um, this was like the only thing where like the Muppets were really like, like this is the Muppets in the real world. And this is what it would be like if the Muppets were real. Um, You know, I, I think also, you know, people talk about, or at least I've talked about the idea that one of the things that makes Muppets great or puppets great as opposed to animation is like, you could walk out your door and you could run into Kermit the frog or Fozzie bear or whatever, because they're real. And like, yeah, maybe a person holding a puppet or whatever, but like, like they're actual real beings in in a certain way that animated characters aren't. And this movie really feels like, you know, like, yeah, I could walk out into the streets of Manhattan and like, there's Kermit walking into Pete's, you know, about to get some soup. And, um, I mean, I don't know. There's something really comforting about that. Um, and then also along those same lines, uh, this is an odd movie cause it doesn't really follow a lot of the same structures as a lot of family friendly movies, you know, it doesn't have the same type of beginning, middle end. Um, mm-hmm. and the, the one thing that I kind of, that always sticks out to me is the fact that there's no villain in this movie. And like, yeah. we have like villainous characters that are, that are peppered in or, or not really villainous, but like antagonistic characters. But like the, the an- antagonist of this film is like, I don't know, failure, I guess. I think I was just going to say failure. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, it's like like real life. Right. Yeah. And like, there's something really world that doesn't really care about you for sure. And like, there's something I think really not just realistic, but like, uh, I don't know, just different about that, that, that makes me think about this movie more than I would something like the great Muppet caper which may have mm-hmm. better jokes and, and better songs or whatever, but but this one just makes me think about the story a lot. Yeah, it's cool to see them try something like this after doing sillier movies. I don't know yeah. that I would want to see every mo- Muppet movie have the same tone, but yeah, I, I yeah it's, it's good to see them try. Yeah, for sure. I wouldn't want Muppet Sigma Manhattan 2. Like, this movie, this right. movie is great because it exists in its own bubble, which, which yeah. you know... This is slightly off topic, but like that, that kind of helps me to um, uh, reconcile with the fact that it starts its o- its own continuity over with the whole yeah. Muppets in College thing. 
Because, like, I know you guys have talked about this before, but, like, all the other Muppet projects are either, like, this is the quote-unquote real continuity of, the like, how the Muppets met or what they're doing, or they're in the conceit of making a movie, like in The Great Muppet Caper. So, like, you can mm-hmm. you can kind of see what their actual continuity is. But this movie stands out where we start over a different continuity and we're, we're supposed to accept it in in its own reality as opposed to the Muppets making a movie about you know, college kids going off into the big city. So, right. Well, um, I, right. I think we yeah, mentioned it. I, I'm actually, I'm not sure we have mentioned it on the show yet, but this is the only Muppet movie where they never acknowledge that it's a movie. It's, it's, it's the only one where it does not happen at all. Even once. Yeah. Do they do yeah, it much never of a, Muppets a Most Wanted? to the camera? Muppets Most Wanted has an opening number called we're doing a sequel. Oh yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. It, like talks about how like all the, people in the crowd at the end of the last movie were extras and we sent them home. That's right. Yeah. It like opens with all that stuff. Yeah. So, you know, I don't know. I mean, I I guess, you know, it's, it's, I don't know. It's such a weird realism in this movie that like, it's, I don't know. It's, it's hard to wrap my brain around, but at the same time, I don't know. I just, I love soaking that stuff up. It's so Mm -hmm. different. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a worthy uh, direction to try. So, um, yeah, then with that, we will wrap things up for this week. Everyone, make sure you check out toughpigs.com on the internet, Facebook, Twitter, and all those things. Thanks to Morgan Davey for our logo, Stacey Rosen for our theme music. You can send us an email at movingrightalong at toughpigs.com. You can also find me on Twitter at me, Ryan Rowe. And Joe, remind everyone where they can find you on the internet. They can find me at Joe Hennis on the Twitter. They can find me at Tough Pigs Joe on the Instagram. Um, and of course, you know, you can find me uh, on the Bafo Sacco ToughPigs.com and the also Bafo and also Sacco Tough Pigs social media networks uh, across all the different platforms. Great. Do all of those things. Check out all of those things. And if you don't mind, please give us a positive review on Apple Podcasts or wherever and tell your friends about the show and join us again next week for another episode of Moving Right Along. Bye. Oh, I gotta go. My uh, I left my, my plane double parked outside. And so am I. My name is Joe Hennis, and I am the co-owner and editor-in-chief of ToughPigs.com. It's a Muppet fan site that you've probably heard of. <laughs> Thanks for coming back from next week. I mean, from last week. Of course. It's nice to be I'm here I'm going to say that again, because I mistook last week for next week. Thanks for coming back from last week. <laughs> I felt sort of spot. I got confused. If you want to. I got so confused. You don't have to. Uh, hi. That's my response. Okay. <laughs> I'll call you. We'll have lunch. Ciao. <laughs>